Would you like a little more foreplay in your life? I mean specifically brain foreplay? Well then tune in to the most dynamic host, Dr. Rick Perea, performance psychologist to professional athletes and the stars. No failure is final and no topic is off limits. It's time to get real and get your checkup from the neck up. So we want to welcome world champion, offensive tackle, offensive guard, brain extraordinaire, thinker, processor, lover, and healer, Ryan Harris, to our inaugural show. First. The first for brain <laughs> foreplay. And if you look at this jersey behind me, that's his signed jersey from Super Bowl 50. Let me introduce my world champion brother, Ryan Harris. Welcome to the show, brother. Hey, it's an honor to be here, Dr. P. Amazed. I'm grateful you're doing this for the people, man. We need more of you everywhere. Thank you, brother. The people, the people, the people. That's what we're here for. <laughs> Hey, man, let's talk about a little early on. Let's talk about what you're doing out there in the world because, man, you're doing some great things. I, I'm, I'm one of your biggest fans because you're a great communicator. Thank you. You know, that's one of the things I always look at when I look at anybody, teachers, coaches, mentors, athletes, their communication skills. Yeah. And, you know, we got the verbal skills. We got vocal skills. We got nonverbal but let's talk about some of the things you're doing. You got your book here with yeah, you. Yeah. But but you're you're you got your own radio show. You're doing a lot of TV stuff. You do play by play for Notre Dame football. You're alma mater. But tell us a little bit about what you're doing, Ryan. Yeah. So I'm a, a broadcaster, a speaker, and a consultant. So um, I, I have my radio show. Do some NFL and and all the Notre Dame games on radio. I'm coming for TV though, Doctor P. There Look you out. go, I'm baby. Coming for TV. There you go. Um, I also uh, am a am a speaker. I do a ton of corporate speaking, and that's turned into consulting. So yeah. Uh, you know, now I'm a brand ambassador with PMR Mortgage. Also got a little mortgage group underneath there. Nice. Uh, that's where my intersection of speaking and impact comes to meet financial literacy. So so yes. I'm speaking to them and their branches, also um, giving coaching calls to their to their onboarded new new uh, employees. So I'm doing a lot of things to make an impact and, and to stay out the house so my wife doesn't beat me up for being around <laughs> too much, you know? There you go, brother. Hey, for the people out there that are watching, show us that Super Bowl 50 ring oh, real man. quick. So Look at that just, bad boy. Just over 200 diamonds. No, it's, you know, just this little thing. Look at that bad boy. Keeps, I, the, keeps the papers down on the desk, you know? I got this little national championship college football one over here. Yeah, but, I think I think but, because you wore that in the locker room the year of Super Bowl 50, <laughs> we had to get a ring. Right? You know what I'm saying? Everybody's it's just like, the inspiration. Yeah, man. everybody's like, I want one of those. But, yeah, you know what? The Super Bowl 50 and all the things that you're doing put you in the forefront, put you on a stage to be able to communicate your knowledge about the game. But, but, but there's so much more to Ryan Harris than football. Oh, yeah. And that's what I want people to really take away today because there's a reason why you're, we're having you in our inaugural show. Never mind. This is not a prop. This is in my office 24-7. It's, it's here. And as you know, I've worked for several NFL teams throughout my career, um, one being the Denver Broncos when we won the Super Bowl. But I could have anybody up here. Anybody. I mean, I, anybody that I've worked with and the, the thousands of players wow. I worked with, yeah. and I choose you to be my guy up I here. I appreciate it, man. So it's only fitting that you're, you're here with our inaugural show. 
But let's talk about Ryan Harris, the person, a little bit. We just yeah. talked about all that you're doing. Yeah. And let me tell you something about TV. You got the face for TV. Brother. You got <laughs> the face so for TV. <laughs> you know what? They got the money for me. So it's going to be a match made in heaven. But, there, you know, there it's you go. fun. But tell us about Ryan Harris, the father. Yeah. Ryan Harris, the, the husband. Ryan Harris, the friend. And I'll speak a little bit about that last one. But go ahead, Ryan. Well, you know, I'll start with with – Ryan Harris, the husband. I mean, I just I love my wife. I'm so fortunate. She knocks it out the park. Yeah. You know, um, talk about communication skills. She, you know, she. We work to continue to increase communication, and uh, and then as a father, I always wanted to be a father because I have mm. a great father. And yes. so being present and also not allowing you know excuses to creep up and challenging my kids. I mean, my kids are in. Piano. They're learning Spanish. They're in jujitsu. They're in uh, American Ninja Warrior. I mean, we're going to do things here, you know. And yeah. And as a father, one of one of the things I didn't see that I would love so much is how much you're able to open a mind. Yes. You know. I mean, yes. I think when we talk about being a parent, we often want to, you know, control or guide. No, mm-hmm. man, open. Yeah. You know, what do you think? Yeah. How do you think? You know, if my daughter's asking me questions that you know, are a little frustrating. What do you think is going to happen if you're going to have cookies at night? Then mm. what happens? Mm. Then what happens? Like, right. I don't want to, you know, I don't have to say no. Yeah. So just encouraging my kids that the world is theirs. Uh, whatever they want to work for is available. And then as a friend, I just always want to deliver value. I'm only here because wow. people took time, at, whether it was a coach or a teacher or a friend, they took time they didn't have to have, you being one of these people, and, and decided that they cared about me and wanted to make me better. That feeling is something that I can give everybody I love, and even my enemies can benefit from my presence. You know, as you're talking about being a husband and father, I was thinking about something that I see in my work as a performance psychologist in the NFL, the NBA, and Major League Baseball. I see a, I, I work with a lot of athletes that their fathers were not in their life, or they were in their lives sporadically. You know, when they were from zero to five and then he was gone for five years, then he came back in here and there. You know, what do you think's happening in our society today that we have a fair amount of absent fathers, a fair amount of fathers that aren't participatory? And and, you know, even further is how many fathers that are in the home, but they're not present mentally. You know, like we got we got some people, some friends that we know that uh, the father is the CEO of a company. And, you know, they got a 10,000-square-foot home. They got all the rides. They got all the whips. They got boats. You name it. But he's gone so much on business. Yeah. He's absent. And so absent because you're strung out in drugs or you're absent because you're a CEO of a company, you're still absent. And that's one of the things that I I really respect with you is you always – you know, carve out time for your family. You make time for your family. Yeah. And I think that separates you from a lot of players that I've been around in the NFL. Like, you live it, brother. Like, it's not just – you don't just talk it. <laughs> you absolutely live it. And and for me, being a father is one of my top priorities. Actually, yeah. it is my top priority in life. So what, but what do you think is going on in our society where we have so many fathers that are not really – being responsible with their families. Yeah. Well, I don't know the data, and we do know that all fathers are people. Sure. So let's remember, it's we as people that have issues with commitment. We as people that have issues doing the tough Mm. things. Um, And I always just make space for people to be people. Now, 
whether someone's external validations mean more than their family. Uh, uh, the other big thing, I believe, we all think we have so much time. You know, we really do. I had a teammate while I was playing in the NFL, you know, that took his own life, and he's not, he, he left being a father in the first year of his son's life. Oh, man. And so when we think that we're going to be around till 70, you know, those CEOs think, well, let me just put in 20, 25 years. Right, right. And then we'll go to, you know, we're going to go to Cancun and we're going to go to this. And it's not about the big trips. It's about being there for little things. You know, one thing I ask my kids every day, what did I do that made you feel loved today? Mm. And if they Mm. can't answer that question, I didn't do my job as a father. Wow. So I look for just daily ways to let my children know they're loved and to teach them about hard work. Sometimes I'm not going to be there. You know why? Right. Because if you want that backpack, you like that Netflix, somebody's got to work. And unless you want to get a job, <laughs> Hallelujah. I'm going to leave sometimes. Yeah. But I will always make, do my best to make it home. I will always do something in a day, home or away, where you feel loved from what I've done. Absolutely. So we got Ryan Harris, the husband, Ryan Harris, the father, the Super Bowl 50 champion. But let's talk about Ryan Harris as, as a friend. What's important to you in a friendship? Because I know when I'm around you, I feel lifted. I feel empowered. I feel fortified. Awesome. And so for me, that's powerful. But what do you look for in a friendship, and what do you try to serve the person you're in a friendship with? I look for great people, you know, and that can be somebody who's, you know, 19 or 75. Right. right? I, look for, yep. I look for great people. Typically, you can feel and see consistency. But for me, once I what for me, you know, I love you. So now that's it. I I don't have I don't have anything that I need from you. You Mm. know, one of the things that I love, a book called The Book of Five Rings really changed my life. Um, There's this final book called No Thing. You need no thing outside of Mm. yourself. And I Mm. really tried to continue to grow in that. So when I'm a friend, I need no thing from you. Mm-hmm. Right. Other. Hey, you know, respect is a given. I, whether you're my friend or not, I'm going to have that or we're going to have problems. Right. Right. right but right. as a friend, what can I do? I, I can f- make you feel loved every. That's my job. And that goes d- back to me, too, as uh, being a Muslim, like my friends should know they're my friends. My loved ones should know they're my yes. loved ones without me saying things because of the way I behave and because of the way I act. And for me, there's so much opportunity with those we love if we just remove ourselves from the center of the story. Right. If I'm not here for what Dr. P can do for me, what can I do with Dr. P? I can listen. I can laugh. I can be curious. uh, You know, and all those things reinforce bonds. So I want to always deliver value. When you see me, you better feel loved after because I do love you. And Mm. and I want people to know how capable they are and that if they're in a struggling time, they're not alone. And it's not necessarily for me to share my story in a similar spot, but to tell them, hey, you know, you have a good process. This is a buddy of mine's going through a tough time. I said, don't worry, your process is good. He says, yeah. well, what the hell does that mean? I said, <laughs> well, hey, you're doing everything you need to do. The outcome's inevitable at that point. So That's right. That's for right. me as a friend, I'm here to spread love, spread encouragement, and listen. And I, I can do that now after, I, after, I, after the career I've had. Yeah, and I want to talk about that in a minute for, as the receiving end. But you're here with Dr. Rick Perry, a performance psychologist, to the, to the pro athletes, the stars, Anybody in my ecosystem, yeah. and Ryan Harris, father, husband, Super Bowl 50 champion, um, you know, as friends, because, you know, you and I first met because you were a member of the 2015-16 Denver Broncos, yeah. starting left tackle, starting right guard, they moved you around, you were our, our guy, 
that we could all depend on. And I was the team psychologist. And you were you were so authentic, brother, because you know, you came to me at one point and you says, Man, I, I really want to know what you do. Like I wanna learn. I wanna learn yeah. what you do and how you do it. And you were so authentic in that. And I gotta tell you, um, you know, fast forward, we worked together throughout the season. But I want to talk about the night before the Super Bowl and what that looked yeah. like for you because that was a point where I, we, we basically cemented our relationship. We summited the first mountain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We climbed a 14er, man. I mean, we went to the summit. But it was – and I want to emphasize to our viewers and listeners, for men out there, it's important for men, in my opinion, as a psychologist, that we're vulnerable, that you're open, you're willing to say, hey, I need help. You know, so many times in our society, we view people saying, well, I, I got this. I can handle this as strength. The strongest people in the world, emotionally, psychologically, are able to say, I need help. And they raise their hand. We all need help, including me. I got, I got a life coach <laughs> down in Fort Lauderdale that I hit her up once a month. And we, we kick it because yeah. I need fortification. But one of the things I want people to understand is when you reached out to me the night before the Super Bowl, you gave me a call about one in the morning, and you were like, Doc, I hey. never played in the Super Bowl. Take it from there. Well, asking for help is one of the most courageous things we can do. Absolutely. And not only do the best people and all those people you mentioned, I also know for a fact the most tattooed people and the toughest <laughs> son of a guns you've ever met. Who are you met, talking about? You know, they'll ask for help too. And here's the thing that people miss – Everybody knows when you need help. Yeah. So yeah. if you want to walk in and act like, oh, I'm just banging my music and I don't need any help. I got right. this. I got everybody knows you're lying. Right. So so for me, you know, now you get some pushback from next up. Hey, dog, you OK? And yeah. now you're you're upset because you think that I saw weakness in you. And really, mm -hmm. I'm trying to be your brother. Yeah. But so for me, I'm always going to say, hey, this is what's going on. And back to be what I look for in friends. Why we became friends, you consistently came up. Hey, Ryan, come talk to me. I'm like, who is this guy, man? He's got this <laughs> ring on. Hey, Ryan, I'm still waiting for you. And I think it was like week 11 when yeah. we first connected. Yeah. And, and I came in hot, literally upset about something. Uh, and we had a very impactful meeting. But that night before the Super Bowl, one of the things that, I, that has changed my life has been using the words, I am, I can, I will. And that's, you know, that's how I built my mindset, even when I didn't believe in myself. And the night before the Super Bowl, I said, I am terrified. My greatest achievement will be my greatest failure. Mm. I am also mm. prepared. I'm also ready. I'm excited. You know what? I can call Dr. P and talk to him. I can also go out and put on my pads. I can beat the crap out of somebody. I will be a champion. And I called you. Because, we, one, we couldn't sleep because the families came into the Super Bowl. Right. And they had their party. And it's like, right. yo, this is the night before the Super Bowl. Everybody who's not <laughs> playing tomorrow is thrilled. But we can't sleep because doots, doots, doots. You know, you're hearing all the – And I said, hey, Dr. P, man, I can't sleep. Something's going on here. Like, I, I don't belong here. You know, mm. something that I had mm. to fight was self-doubt and incredibly imposter syndrome popped up in that playoff run. What am I doing here? I'm not talented enough. I'm just a kid from St. Paul. And you said some of the most powerful words anyone said to me in my life. You said, Ryan, you're already a champion. Mm. All you got to go out and do is do it. That's yeah. all, you, all you have to do is show up tomorrow. You're already a champion tonight. Yeah. And even that concept was so powerful. I didn't even think, oh, he's wrong. I could lose. That concept that 
I'm a champion already before it yes. happens. Yes. That was so powerful. That's where my, that's the only place my focus went. Mm -hmm. And so from talking to you, I closed my eyes and I visualized holding the Lombardi Trophy. Visualization, something you taught Absolutely. us. Absolutely. And for whatever reason, I could only see it from the bottom up in my thoughts. And I'm like, yeah. that's weird. You know, I've never seen that. Fast forward 24 hours later, I am a champion. And here's Peyton Manning handing me down the Lombardi yes. Trophy yes. from the stage. Right. And I'm seeing it from the bottom up. And then I get to hold it. My my family gets to touch it. And then I turn, like, who's going to get it next? And I turn, and, I mean, when, when you're trying to hand out that Super Bowl trophy for the first time, everybody's hands are out. But I just locked eyes, saw, you know, with DeMarcus Ware, oh. lead, one of the big leaders on our team, captain. My, my brother. And he wasn't even having his hands raised. He was just so happy to be a champion. I yeah. just remember reaching over, like, what felt like 50 people, but I'm sure it was five. <laughs> and I handed DeMar – I got to hand DeMarcus Ware the oh. Lombardi trophy. I mean, oh. that, that kind of stuff, man, that just – it changes your life. It absolutely does. And, you know, w the words that I remember saying to you that I just want the viewers to hear because the ultimate goal of mine in this podcast is that we help people. Yeah. We heal people. We give them, we give them information that they can apply to their life right now, today. Not not in two weeks, not, not in a week, not but right now. Yeah, no, it, it, it's right now. You know, life is 10% of what happens and 90% of how you react to it. So if you lost your job, if you're going through a divorce, if you got in a car accident this morning, it don't mean shit. 10% is what happens, 90% how you react to it. Yeah. Um, but what I said to you that, that, that day of, because it was after midnight, I said, brother, you're already a world champion. Yeah. You're already a world champion. All you got to do is go out and play. I said, the field is still 100 yards long, yeah. 50 yards wide. It's what you've been playing for most of your life. So just go out and be Ryan Harris. You know what you're the best at the world in the world at? A lot eating. of things, but eating. eating. <laughs> <laughs> no, you are the best in the world, hands down, at being Ryan Harris. Yeah. And that's all you got to do. And that's all anybody's got to do out there in the world is just be who you are. Sometimes we think we got to be more or I got to I got to fake this or I got to do just be who you are. And that level of authenticity will resonate with people. They will feel your energy. They will grasp your energy and you will be powerful beyond your belief if you just trust that. We get off track in life because we don't trust that and we try to be something we're not. Now, I'm all for leaving your comfort zone and being and taking on new roles yeah. and failing. new levels and failing Go fail. and figuring what, 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 how you're going to get better. But I'm telling you, people, just be who you are because you're the best in the world at it. So after, after that night, and I said, you're already a world champion, just go out and be yourself. Fields 100 yards by 50 yards. You went out and did that. You went out and played one of the best games you played of the year. And, you know, history, history will tell us, you know, you guys won the Super Bowl. I, I'd like to say us, we won the Super Bowl because oh, I was absolutely. there. Absolutely. I was there you with were you in, guys. You were in, what, 40 of, 49 of the 53 starting players' minds? There you go. <laughs> there you go. And, and so – but that is so powerful because I want people to know that the, the great Ryan Harris, Super Bowl 50 champion, raised his hand and said, I need some help. And that, to me, was the vulnerability that was needed for you to, to set that. And, you know, by the way, you mentioned our brother DeMarcus Ware. He wrote a piece in my book, as you did, too. Yeah, yeah. You contributed to my book. But 
DeMarcus wrote a piece in my book, and he said that coming into my office and being vulnerable, yeah. he says, Doc, you got, you got flow tanks, you got biomats, you got all these gadgets here we have at Think One. But the most powerful thing is you taught me how to be a man. He said he got, you know, one of the things he quotes, he said, he said, I had everything a man could buy. Anything you can put in a cardboard box. I got houses, cars, I got everything. But I don't know who I am. Yeah. I don't know who I am as a man. And to be that vulnerable to admit that and say, can you help me figure that out? Yeah. That's powerful. So for you to say you handed that Lombardi trophy over to our over oh, to number 94, oh. DeMarcus Ware, that gives me chills up my spine, brother, because that is the brotherhood it took to win Super Bowl yeah. 50. And that's the next thing I want you to speak on about that game is, you know, I, in my opinion, I tell people all the time, I don't think – the, that version of the Broncos was the best team in the NFL, per se. I think we played the best on that day. I think we had a great, great defense. We had a, a cohesion. We, we had a good offense, but we weren't a high-powered offense, to say. But what do you think it was that we had on that team that took us to that world championship? A willingness, the deepest, deepest willingness I've ever been a part of, a willingness that changed it. Every relationship I would have from then on, you know. Perfect example, DeMarcus Ware. Uh, we're going against the Steelers. I think it's like week 13 or something. And and he goes, hey, you're going against James Harrison. Mind you, DeMarcus Ware's on the other side of the of the field. He's a defensive right. player. Right. I'm like, yeah. He goes, he's going to do that rip move, right? Yeah. Which, one, confirming that we both have been watching film. He's confirming right. that, hey, I'm not going to give this information to somebody who's not studying. <laughs> right. Right. I'm like, yeah, he's going to throw that rip, especially on third downs. You can give it to me first. He goes, when he does that, pinch that elbow. Mm. And you'll stop it. And I'm like, man, mm. no, no coach told me that. Right. No anything. So here I go. Here's my teammate who, in his day, you know, being a future Hall of Famer that DeMarcus Ware is, he came over and talked to, you know, talked to me. And, he, and we had many conversations. He's an mm. amazing person. So we get in that game. First third down comes. White 80, check, check, Omaha, blue go. And all of a sudden, James Harrison, and he's the kind of guy, I mean, he puts Vaseline <laughs> on his muscles. He does bicep curls yep. before the game. He throws in that rip move, and I pinch my elbow down. He goes, oh, no. And I just – it's the first third down of the game. And to hear – there's always a moment in competition. When you hear the pain yeah. of your opponent, yeah. the confusion of your opponent, it's over. Right. That's it. Yeah. Because now they're guessing the rest of the game. Mm -hmm. So here I am on the first third down of a game in the fourth quarter of the season, and I'm going – Thanks, DeMarcus. Thanks, DeMarcus. You know, because he yeah. gave me tools. He was willing to do that. Some of the biggest characters on that team, hardest working people I've right. ever been around. Right. Aqib Tlaib, I never saw him without an iPad watching film. Oh, Malik man. Jackson, one of the biggest characters and best people in the world, oh. every single morning, 645. Yeah. You know, and yeah. I'd say, and I'd say every week. I say every day I saw him. Hey, you woke up today, huh, Malik? He goes, shut up, Ryan Harris. You know I'm up here every day. You know what I mean? That's just who we were. So we yeah. were so willing. To succeed, we were willing to have tough conversations. You know, Gary Kubiak, a man I love for the rest of my life. I walked up to him. We were in our last game of the year. We needed to win it. Right. We were running the ball like crazy, but he kept calling passes. I run it, walked up to him and said, hey, Gary, pull your head out of your ass. We need to run the fucking football. <laughs> we ran the ball over 200 yards. We secured it. But what kind of a leader can take that kind of communication yeah. in a yeah. game? We call that emotional agility. So, so what I love <laughs> is that I had leaders all around me yeah. that were so strong, they were willing to listen. That's right. And I had teammates around me that were so willing, they would help me even when it didn't help them. That's right. And that's how you win. Yeah. For the longest time 
individual success is all that matters. But to reach elite success, you need others. It doesn't matter where you are. That's right. And so when you start being a great teammate and you are willing to be one and you are willing to listen, the world opens up. That's powerful. That's powerful, dog, because, you know, you brought up something in that rendition that made me think. And then we're going to move on to some psychology about how people can get better today because that's the ultimate goal of this show. But I want to say something what you just mentioned about that the unity in that team. Uh. That, to me, was stood out because I've been with a multitude of NFL teams, and that team had a unity that I've, I've really never seen before. Yeah. And I want to mention something about Aqib Talib because, you know, sometimes in as fans you watch his career in New England and Denver, and, you know, you see he's a fiery dude, man. He plays the game full throttle. There's no doubt about it. One thing I'll never, ever forget is, and it doesn't matter who the player is, but, you know, we acquired a safety midseason off the waiver wire, and he came into practice. And so we were at practice one day, and, um, you know, this new kid's going through reps in in indies and team and all that. And I remember Aqib Tlaib pulling the kid aside. We were on the sidelines at practice. And he pulls his kid aside, and he looks at him, and he says, man, we don't do it like that here. Yeah. And the kid's like, what are you talking about? He goes, "When you any reps you're getting out there, you go full speed. Full. Full speed to the ball. Full. And when we pursue, we pursue to the ball. Not 80%, not 92%. We go 100%. And you know what? There were no cameras there. No. There were no media no. there that he was putting on a no. show for. It was just the, the team and is. coaches. And I saw Keep do that, and I thought to myself, Man, that is the kind of leadership within a team that we need. Now, I didn't know we were going to win a world championship at that point, but I started to realize DeMarcus Ware, Aqib Tlaib, Danny Trevathan, some of these guys that people wouldn't necessarily think as leaders were stepping Uh up. You know, you on offense, I mean, you know, you are a person – that has a tremendous impact on people. Just your presence. When you walked in here today, this office changed colors. The walls got bluer. The walls got greener. It was powerful, man. So the leadership on that team that you speak to, a unity, a commitment, like you said, a willingness to be more. Because there's so many people, man. We have a saying here at Think One, is live life at 212. At 212 degrees, Water boils. Yeah. And when water boils, it creates live steam. Live steam is powerful enough to take a locomotive up a mountain. If that, if 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 the water's at 211, there ain't no steam. That train's going nowhere. At 212, it's going up a mountain. How many people live their life at 211? They're one degree away at 210. They're two degrees yeah. away. And yeah. they don't have that willingness that you talk about, brother. Your willingness to say, I'm going to sacrifice everything I have. I'm going to give everything I have so that we can be the best we can be. That's what happened with that team. That's why all of us became champions that day. And like you said, it changed our relationships going forward. And I I just want to tell you, my brother, and we we said it before we went on, but I love you, man. I love you in a way that rarely do I, a psychologist to a player, have a relationship. But it's because of your leadership skills, your communication skills, and you carry that every day. That that didn't end when when you retired. You carry that every day. So thank you for that. Well, I love you for saying that. Thank you. And and how could I, how, after being a part of that team that you just described and we've been talking about, how could I ever leave that? Right. 
How can I ever leave being willing to do anything for somebody else when I've been the direct recipient of that and I've seen the impact and felt the impact? And one of the things I learned, though, so many people are unwilling because they're afraid of mm. what that means. Mm. If I commit to this and it doesn't happen, then, then I'm a failure. Right. right. Whoa, whoa, whoa. If you commit to this and it didn't happen, so what? Right. But you committed to something. Now you know what it's like to commit. You know, one of the things I find all the time, especially since retiring, people ask me, hey, can I do this? Can I do that? And I say, what are you willing to do? Right. And they, and they always look confused at that. You know, mm -hmm. I get the questions from kids all the time. Hey, I want to be in the NFL. I say, well, what are you willing to do? Well, right? What do you mean? Right. Are you willing to be embarrassed in front of a million people? No. Mm -hmm. Are you willing to get <laughs> physically beat down and stand back up? Well, all right. Well, then you're not going to make it. Yeah. Because you're not willing to do that. And what, and what you mentioned with Akib there, that's not just effort. That's I'm willing to go 100% in practice because guess yeah. what? In the game, I'm willing too. Yeah. And the truth of the matter is there are 1,600 NFL players every single season, and only 53 are willing to become champions. Right. Yeah, that's powerful, powerful. Ryan Harris, Super Bowl 50 champion, great father, great husband, great friend in the house with us here on Brain Foreplay. I want to shift gears and now talk about uh, a solution-based pro process we have here okay. that we work with people. You know, traditional psychologists usually work with what we call pathology. That means they focus on the problem, they identify the problem, but the brain stays in the problem. You know, what we have in front of us here, we have a, we have a brain. Nice, beautiful okay? brain. Beautiful brain. And then on the right we have over here, that's a mind. The difference between the brain and the mind. The brain is the anatomy. Just the anatomy. Yeah. The mind is the brain plus input, education, experiences. Yeah. So all of our brains are identical. All of our minds are different. Right. But what we do, when we put in the brain, okay, here's the problem. Infidelity in the marriage. Um, not the inability to be a committed employee at my work. The inability to be willing to do and sacrifice what's needed to be successful in my life. Whatever the problem right, is, right. the brain hears that, and it stays in that. Solution-based practices stipulate that the solution doesn't necessarily have to be part of the what we're going to talk the problem. The solution can be very different than the problem. So what we advocate here at Think One is we're solution-based. So what we say is, if it's not solution-based in your marriage, we're not even going to talk about it. Right. If it's not solution-based in a business issue, we're not even going to talk about it. We're going to only focus on solution-based practices. And so I'd like you to talk a little bit about that, how the solution oftentimes is not even related to the problem. Well, it's never the spoon in the sink, That's right? right? I mean, anybody who's married knows that typically if there's an, a discussion going on, something else, is, <laughs> it's about something else, Absolutely. right? You're not mad that I put this, the spoon in the disposal, right? <laughs> Even though I know better than not to. Um, solutions are creative in nature. Right. We forget that. And oftentimes the solution has nothing to do with the problem because it's not really a problem. Right. Ooh, ooh. You're you having a problem because so for example, situation in my life, just not valued, not appreciated, not not collaborated with. And that made a problem for what I was doing. Mm -hmm. Now, the problem wasn't the the actual product that we were creating. The problem was 
I need very different types of people in my life to work mm. with on a consistent mm. basis. And if you're not open to collaboration, expansion, and ex exploration, we have a we have a major fundamental <laughs> issue. So yeah. it's not even about the product. It's not even about who, whose opinion on this. The issue is over here mm -hmm. with who I need to surround myself with. Right. So the solution be, has nothing to do with the problem because oftentimes the problem is just an outcome. Yes. The problem's an outcome of bad inputs, bad collaboration, or unsaid truths, mm -hmm. right? And, mm -hmm. and whether or not it's a fact, a truth or not, hey, this feels this way to me. This is what I need. Hey, I need to work with people who are collaborative in nature, who are selfless, who like team, and who want to improve society, not just themselves right. and their bank account. Right. I got nothing for you if you just want to make money. Yeah. So if I'm do, it, it, so I find that the problems I've had have been when I get involved with things that are incongruent right. with my values and who I really need to be around. And that you'll find that typically in a lot of issues. Yeah, that's right. You know, that's powerful because I remember this past season, I was at a NFL practice of a team I was working with. And the, the quarterback coach kept telling the quarterback in practice, stop throwing it into double coverage. When you see double coverage, stop throwing it into double coverage. And so after practice was over, I went into his office and I said, hey, man, I'm not trying to tell you how to coach, but I'm talking to you about word selection and yeah. about solutions. I said, tell your quarterback what you want him to do. Yes. Be, the problem's not double coverage. The, the, the challenge is to get your quarterback to think about what the solution is yeah. and not focus on the problem. So when you see double coverage, throw it out of bounds or go to your second progression. Go to your third progression. Well, find the open read. man. Find the open the best, man. The best <laughs> offense I played on, the coach would always say, find the open man. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, forget the progression. Forget find the, the open guy. The route trees, yeah. all that jargon. Find the flick friggin' open dude. Yeah, Just him. like we used to do in the park or in the street, yeah. you know? Go down to the to the to the red Buick and take a right and I'll hit you in the corner <laughs> by the gold Volkswagen over yeah, there. Yeah. You know, and complete it. So it's it's really important to do that. Now, the other thing that we talk about in solution base is when we actually diagnose the problem, that can be disturbing. That can oh, get yeah. that can get people thinking more and more about the problem instead of working on a solution. Um, give us an example of how that may have played a role, maybe in your career, your marriage, or even in your career today. I have a hard time letting things end. Mm. And okay. It's, and that's like if we're having dinner and, you know, yeah. it, it, like we catch a 7 o'clock dinner and about if we're still rolling at 9, you say, hey, Ryan, man, let's go have a cigar. I'm like, cool, Dr. P, let's go do it. At some point, about 9.45, I'll say to myself, man, like, ah, this night's going to end. Mm -hmm. It's easier to mm. think about the problem. Ooh. versus being present and, right. and being in that solution yeah. saying, hey, while I'm with Dr. P, I'll worry about the end of the night tomorrow. Yeah, there you so, go. And, and I really believe that, that that static, that friction, if you want to call it, that people get when you, when you find a solution, when you find an answer, because that's going to end a relationship, mm. right? That's mm. going to end an identity in right. a lot of ways, yeah. right? If, if I'm at, just to, to, if, I'm at a, um, if I'm a musician and I don't like this kind of music, and I've just been doing it because that's what people want, but not what I want to do. Right. Well, now I'm separating from that identity of, hey, Dr. P might love me here, but that's not who I am. That's right. Now, I might be afraid of losing Dr. P because of income, because of just the natural feelings us as humans when we break a connection. So I think the first part to finding solutions is understanding that it's going to create massive change. Yeah. And accept that. Yeah. Because the alternative is massive pain.
Ooh. So you either get massive change or massive pain, and you have to embrace whichever choice you make. Oh, I love it, love it. The next one, next one I want to talk about is focusing on present to future. Yeah. It's this simple. Think about this. If someone has a problem or an issue, they largely are talking about what's happened in the past. Because right. we don't know what's happening in the future, so we can't talk about the future necessarily. We're going to talk about our past experiences. But if we focus on this, and I want the viewers and listeners to think about this, present to future, present to future, and that's all we focus on is present to future, you can't go back and talk about what happened. We're going to focus on right now and what we're going to do in the future. Strategies, protocols, techniques, all the things we need to get. And if we flush that past, oh my gosh, we clean up the slate. The upper cortical of the structure of the brain doesn't go revisit it. And there's yeah. ways we have techniques to flush that. Present to future, present to future. So I want people to think about out there how they can get their life centered by focusing on present to future. And think about as you, in your career as, a, if, as an offensive tackle. If an outside linebacker beats you in a pass rush and you could just focus on the next play, present to future, and not go back to that. Because so often, we, you and I both know, where, where athletes get in trouble is they reflect back and we, they let that last play affect the next play. Yeah. And then that play affect the next play. And then they get on this trail of screwing up a series, screwing up a quarter, screwing up a game. When we, have a, we actually can choose at any moment in our life to really focus on present to future, it cleans the slate. Absolutely. I mean, this is such an important piece to success, development. Yes. One, you know, the proudest play I have in my life in the NFL, uh, a defensive end, and I'm not going to say his name, very, very high-profile defensive end, literally knocked me on my ass, knocked me over <laughs> in a pass pro. And I literally saw the sack upside down. I'm laying down, and I'm oh, no, you know, as I'm rolling back. But the very – so in that end of the play, and in the NFL you get 40 seconds. Mm. You get mm -hmm. 40 seconds to get your life together. That's right. So here I am, ass over tea kettle, and I say to myself, I can go back to my technique – I can keep my foot outside of my knee, my ankle outside of my knee. I can kick. I can punch my target. I can strike my target and move my feet after contact. Mm. Very next play, the same defensive end, wham, I hit him on the ground. Yeah. Now, no, people didn't see that. Yeah. A lot of people saw the other play. Oh, yeah. A lot of people asked me about that other play, and I love <laughs> that other play now. Yeah. Because you know what Absolutely. it did? It brought about the next play yeah. that I was ready for, that I had the process for, and that I was willing to refocus and do. Listen, you're going to have to refocus in life. That's a part of it. That's what it is. Right? And one thing that made a change for me, I was somebody that beat myself up, I mean, so bad. It was my sixth year in the NFL, and I still didn't feel like I was successful. Think mm. about that. Yeah. And I had a coach – that just really he, – he came to me, and I was one of the few tackles standing after two weeks of practice. And he goes, Ryan, we want you to be successful here, but we're going to need more. Mm. And I just wanted to murder this coach. <laughs> I'm like, I will choke the life out of you. you. My face will be the last thing you see. And I realized in that moment I've carried every failure with me. I could have named you mm. all four mm. years at Notre Dame, the five bad plays I had. I could have named you all the bad plays I had in five, six seasons in the NFL – and I didn't want to do that anymore. Mm -hmm. That wasn't enjoying what I had created. And so one powerful thing for me is I said, I deeply love and forgive myself. Mm. And that wiped wow. that slate clean, like you said. Yeah. 
I forgive myself for making a mistake. Yeah. I forgive myself for being mean to myself. I forgive myself. I deeply love and forgive myself for any time that I didn't give myself the biggest cheer from inside. Mm, mm. And and what continued, what continued on that is when we connected, you gave me something incredibly powerful that I still use to this day, relevant and irrelevant cues. Oh, yeah. So now I deeply love and forgive myself for the mistake that just happened. What's a relevant cue moving forward? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And now I'm rolling on a whole different plane. Yeah. I've got forgiveness. I've got love. I've got intent. I've got curiosity. I've got direction. Who's stopping me? Beauty. Beauty. That is, that's pure beauty. You know, when you talk about your, your, your protocol, your footwork, your technique, your punch, all that, you, when your brain is focused on that, guess where it's not focused? On the last play. And fear. And fear. So when you give your brain something to think about in those 40 seconds to get your life back together, you, you fill your brain up with positivity. And it doesn't go to the negativity. So there are techniques that we literally have that you can do in 15 seconds, 20 yeah. seconds, 30 seconds to get, to get your position right. The last point I want to talk about solution-based protocols is, is this. If something is working, people... Here's where you get your PhD value, okay? PhD. PhD, baby. P-E-E-H-D, by the way. (laughs) You're going to get your value from this. If something is working, okay, I'm going to repeat. If something is working, do more of it. Simple. (laughs) Do more of it. When there is something that's working in your life that's helping you think in a very clear, concise, positive way, do more of it. Now, it's got to be legal. It can't hurt other people, but my goodness, you know, when we find a groove that fits for us, many people will feel guilty and say, gosh, it can't be this simple. I remember I had a player call me. Um, He'll actually be here later today. He called me mid-season last year, and and he's a receiver, and he said, Doc, he says, something ain't right. I just don't know what's right. You know, I'm running my routes, and I'm getting open. The ball's not coming to me. Mm. What's going on? And I said, are you focused on process? And he goes, what? I said, are you focused on process? And he goes, oh, man, now I remember. He was on our Super Bowl team. And and I said, look, footwork technique, footwork technique, footwork plant. I said, don't even worry about the ball coming to you. Don't even think about, am I going to get it? You're going to be ready when it does. Yeah, footwork technique and just focus on that. The next week he calls me. He's like, Doc, I can't believe how simple that Mm -hmm. is. But yet effective is he was he went out and caught eight balls for 100, 160. Yeah. And it's that simple. And that's what solution based theory is that if that solution's working, use more of it. Share with share with our listeners real quick how that plays a role in your life where you have found something that works and you keep using it. Yeah. I mean, so many examples. Yoga. Yeah. You know, I was the only black person doing yoga in 2002. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I swear to God. Uh, for the first 13 oh, wait, I'm a follower. No, you know what I'm saying? Like, y'all say what you want, but I was in the classes and now none of was one of you guys was out there. So I'm the only bruh, and for a lot of them, the only man. For like years, I was the only man in yoga. But guess what? My trainer said, this is going to make you better. Yeah. And guess what? How do you know how to balance until you actually have to balance? Right? Right. So yoga is something that I do. Reading is something that helps me. Yeah. It's something that gives me peace of mind, but also – Focusing on process, because one of the things that you talk about, focusing on process that people miss, 
that speeds up your mind. Yeah. If you're focused on the process while everybody's focused on the problem, you're already moving faster than mm -hmm. everybody else. Mm -hmm. You're already ahead of everybody else. Yeah. So even if it's, you know, my, my dog's sick or throwing up, what's the process? Okay, we got to make sure we got more pumpkin at the house so That's they can right. eat it. That's right. So there's always a process you can focus that puts you in motion. And whether it was for me leaving football and finding what I wanted to do yeah. as a retiree at 32, yeah. um, I needed to focus on the process. What's the part of the process I love? Well, I love reading. I love informing. I love laughing. Let's do radio. Let's do broadcasting. That's beautiful. You know, I, I got to say this before we start to, to say goodbye to everybody, but let me say this. If you were the only black man doing yoga Dog. in 2001. The only one. <laughs> I was the only brown man in the 80s taking psychology classes at the doctorate level. Oh, they I, thought you were a terrorist. Huh? <laughs> I'm were, telling you, right? afraid of you, right? dog. I'm telling you, man. <laughs> I was in these classes, and it was all women. It was all women. I kid you not. And, and you know, in the 80s, I was single and stuff, so that was kind of cool. Yeah. You know, I'm like, all right. Profitable. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but at the same time, I was the only brown man taking psychology classes at the doctorate level in the 80s. So now I know why we get along so well because you're the only <laughs> black man yeah. doing yoga. You're 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 a you're a pioneer. You're a trendsetter. You're 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 someone that just you you set the tone, Ryan, every day in your life, and it influences everybody. Thank it you. really does. And I want you. I want the people to know that I I've had such a pleasure with you today, being part of our inaugural show. Um, you know, the jersey's right there. It's signed. And, you know, to be able to, like, connect with you in this way, go deep. You're such a deep processor and thinker. Thank you for adding to, to you know, Brain Foreplay in our inaugural show. Love to have you back again, maybe even as a co-host or yeah. as a host, because I think you add so much. You stretch. We have, we have what we call in psychology a schema. That's how you organize information. You stretch the schema of the listeners out there of men, of women, of children, of aspiring athletes. And, and it's just, you have no limits to your potential in helping people grow. So I just want to say to you, thank you, number one, for coming on the show. Thank you, and I'll say this for your family. Thank you, you know, for being such a great role model as a father, as a husband, as a professional, because, you know, our friendship continues to grow. You know, there's a will, there's spokes in the will. Our friendship is a spoke in the wheel. There's other spokes in our wheel, too, yeah. that we're going to develop going forward. But, brother, I love you. I trust you. I believe in you. And thank you for being part of our show today. Hey, man. Well, Dr. P, I'm not going to leave without telling you I love you. I'm grateful for you. You were so critical for me in getting out of my own way and focusing on the opportunity I had in the most incredible season I'd ever been a part of mm. in the NFL. Mm. You gave me relevant and irrelevant cues. You told me thoughts aren't real, which is so powerful when you're on a field of that's shaking from the thunderous applause <laughs> of 70,000 people, right? Thoughts are not real. And you told me I was a champion before I mm. was crowned one. And mm. those things changed my life forever. And mm. because of that, you're stuck with me, dog. You oh. can kick me off. You can put me <laughs> on the D list on the intros. But, man, I love you, and I'm always going to show up for you because you showed up for me and showed me what I was capable of in a way no one else did. And I thank you for that, brother. Oh, brother, I love you, man. Uh, put the ring up for last people. Yeah. Here we go. Thank you <laughs> for being part of, part of Think One today, Brain Foreplay. We love you. Tune to us next week when we'll be right here, same place, same channel, same action. Love you guys.
don't forget to join us next week, same place, same time, to get your checkup from the neck up, fortified by foreplay. That's brain foreplay. And please remember to subscribe to this channel wherever you get your podcasts.